Welcome to Stuck in Misery, the premier Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm Mark Bergen, joined today by James West and Sam Renshin. And later this week on Thursday, we have Major League Baseball returning. Two games Thursday night, followed by a full slate of games on Friday. Fellas, we're finally here. We finally have made it. James, I'm going to go to you first. What are you most looking forward to this weekend with the return of Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think what I'm most excited for with this return is coming out of these preseason games and seeing how the Royals reacted to Houston. I'm excited to see as Houston goes out and plays a lot of these teams for the first time since their sign-stealing scandal was revealed, how these teams react. Because, again, this is one of the storylines. Like, Houston kind of got away with it, right? They, they aren't going to be in, in stadiums packed with fans booing them. A short season means that every game counts, which means that every single start counts for these pitchers. So I'm really interested to see how these guys are going to react and how these players are going to retaliate against Houston, given that it's a short season and every game matters. You know what, Mark and, and James? little different route here. I, I'm like struggling to get excited for this season. Like, I just feel like there's no hype going into the season, maybe because of the break, probably because of the break, but there's been such a delay that I just forget all about the storylines. You know, there's been so many big moves. It's one of the biggest off seasons we've had in quite some time. And I just am not excited about the season, maybe because it, you know, there are sort of some, you know, big name stars sitting out and the whole, uh, I guess arguments or in disagreements between the owners and the players kind of left a sour taste in my mouth about the MLB returning. But I think the biggest thing is that without having crowds at the games, it just loses such an element to baseball. My favorite part about baseball is the pageantry, going to the games, sitting in the stands, you know, watching, just being out there is, is just awesome, you know, which really brings out that environment of baseball. And I think it's such a, it's, it's a slow sport to begin with. And without having fans in the stadium, I feel like the product for the fans is going to be a lot less than prior years with, with obviously having fans in the stadiums. Won't that be balanced out with the fact that it's a short season? It's almost like you're going in post-All-Star break where every game counts, every game matters. Like this season is going to be unprecedented with how each one of these games matters. Let me hop in here. Let me hop in here. It sounds like Sam, I don't know if the Cardinals were going to play the Astros this season, but Sam, it sounded like before the pandemic, before the delay, you were ready to hop in your car down I-70, go to Kauffman Stadium and boo the Astros Absolutely. Until the, until the end of time. It's a, it's a bummer. It's really annoying. I feel like we're definitely missing out on that. But you know, there's nothing we can do about it. For the listeners, Sam is based in St. Louis. Now, the Astros, they have some questions. And James, you bring up a great point with the shortened season. A rotation that is now, does not have Garrett Cole, the $300 million man, is now in New York. So how does this Astros rotation fit together with Justin Verlander and Grinke? But really beyond that. And then you're talking about an Astros team coming off that cheating scandal. So why does that matter? The Astros led the majors last year with a 274 average. They had the highest walk rate. They led in slugging percentage. And so you've got a little bit of turnover now, too, with Dusty Baker, 71 years old, the team's new manager. So, again, going into the season, 
everyone was ready just to hate on the Astros. And it was really kind of fun because baseball finally had a villain again. And the real question is, is, is that going to be forgotten about once play resumes starting Thursday night and into Friday? I definitely don't think it'll be forgotten about. As we saw today, you know, there's already Bregman and Altuve already got hit by pitches. So we're in for a treat, I think, with that regard. But James, back to your point, and, you know, switch, switching tops a little bit, was the fact that, you know, there is only 60 games, but they're also going to have to compete against NHL and NBA playoffs, which is more, which is in the playoffs, and I would say more at stake during those times. So I think that baseball is, this leads to a different discussion. I think that baseball seriously is slipping fans from the younger generation. And I don't think this season will do any good for them as far as trying to get increase their popularity. Add football in a month as well. We'll see right. if there's a preseason or not. There might not be, but regardless, NFL play is scheduled to resume in September. You know, when we when you look at baseball, I, I would have to agree with you. I think that baseball doesn't resonate with younger generations of fans as much as the older ones. But I think that being said, I think this season is undoubtedly monumental in the fact that they are pulling away from that mindset of the baseball purists by adopting a universal DH by changing the extra inning system so that it'll hopefully shorten up games, make games not last so long into the night when they're primarily being played during the weekdays so that they are, I don't know if more accessible is the right word, but it's easier for fans to watch these games when they have work or school or whatever else the next day. Right. And don't uh, so, so I think they are making a step in the right way. I don't really know what else they could do to, I mean, to, make, it more appealing, to make it more appealing to younger generations. But, but let's, let's kind of get back on track and get back to the Houston Astros and, and to what you're saying. Because I think, especially in the first few matchups when teams are playing Houston, I think you are going to see players go after them because you have to think like, while the fans will definitely get, get them in and like hype up, hype up these players and, uh, and get them riled up and probably keep these players riled up for multiple innings. I mean, think of the New York Yankees. Like none of those players have forgotten the fact that they were sign stealing. I'm going to hop in here too. I look at a team like the Dodgers, right? A team that now has Mookie Betts for a rental really for one season. We don't know what his future is beyond this year but a team that has made several consecutive playoff appearances, seven. And they played in the World Series two of the last three seasons as well. So that sign-stealing scandal with the Astros, I think of a guy like, say, Clayton Kershaw, who it seems season after season after season after season chokes when it comes to playoff time. But how much was that attributed to the Astros sign-stealing? So that's really when you're talking about trying to attract younger fans. I look at some of the star players. So a guy like Mookie Betts, who's going to the Dodgers for one season, we don't know what's going to happen with him beyond 2020. I also look at a guy like Garrett Cole to the New York Yankees, a $324 million contract. How does he perform this season under that new deal? Does he even come close to the production that we know he's capable of? But again, he's now going to have to perform at that higher salary. That all pertains to this Astros cheating scandal in terms of the star power that each of those teams have. 
kind of going into that, if I'm looking at this next season, I think it's really going to come down to the Dodgers and the Yankees and then everybody else. I think that they both added superstars to the roster this year with Garrett Cole, like you mentioned, the $324 million deal. You can compare that to LA's offseason move to get David Price, who's sitting out this season, but also Mookie Betts, who's arguably one of the best players in the game of baseball. I mean, those are just monster, monster teams with all-stars across the board. And if you are going to have a season, as we talked about, where baseball is struggling with the younger generation, Mark, as you made a good point, these two teams, if they both make a run to the World Series, would be great for baseball. I, I certainly agree. But as someone who's a Yankees fan, Garrett Cole, I was so happy to hear that, that the Yankees picked him up. How do you feel that he, uh, that he shaved? He had to shave for the Yankees. Of course he had to. Everyone knew. I mean, any Yankees fan would know that he had, had to shave. That's what, what happens. But, uh, you know, you, you look back on it, and when, and when that originally happened, everyone was hoping that Severino would be healthy and back in the lineup so you would be able to have this one-two punch of Cole and Severino, which would be a nightmare for even the best batters and teams in the MLB. But Severino is getting Tommy John surgery this year. And so, really, I kind of see this as a, maybe a slight upgrade, but really you're just kind of – you don't have Severino and you're plugging in Cole this year. And, it, and that's kind of been the storyline for the Yankees the past couple of years. I mean, it was the storyline last year with all the injuries. And even the year before that, like they've, this team is, although they're pretty young, they've struggled to stay healthy and they've managed to continually find these guys that had nothing expected of them who overachieved and became superstars way quicker than they were ever projected to become superstars, but they haven't been able to take that leap from the ALCS, the World Series. And this year, you know, I mean, as a Yankees fan, I'm still a little bit nervous about that. You know, I mean, sure, they added Cole, but in my opinion, the Yankees never lost in the playoffs because of their starting pitching. To me, I always felt like the Yankees lost in the playoffs because of the way they play offense. So they're a home run hitting team and they don't really have that small ball mentality is get players on base and I feel like that's impacted in the past few years in the playoffs and I don't really see how they made a change to change that this year lots to unpack there James I'm going to go back to Sam's point really quickly the Dodgers and Yankees both the favorites to win the World Series in 2020 now as for the Yankees James you're spot on 103 wins last season and that came despite injuries to both Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton Judge played in 102 games, whereas Stanton played in just 18 games, yet the Yankees' offense was still extremely potent, at least in terms of the regular season. 306 home runs, 943 runs scored for the Yankees last season. Can they build upon that in 2020, especially when they're playing in a division where Boston just lost David Price, they lost Mookie Betts, and ace pitcher Chris Sale is going to be out with Tommy John surgery for the Red Sox. So you're talking about a division in the AL East that is the Yankees to lose. Yes, the Rays are really, really formidable. But when you look at just the contracts alone on the Yankees, look at Garrett Cole's contract alone, and it dwarfs any of the contract of any of the members on the Tampa Bay Rays. So can the Yankees put it together? And really, that's a big question Going into this season, James, because guys, when we were growing up, 
it seemed that every single year the Yankees were in contention and they haven't won the World Series now in more than a decade. But I would say they have been in contention the past three years. and No doubt, but they my, haven't actually won key, it. My key for the Yankees making it to the World Series this year. So really, I think what that comes down to most likely is can they get past Houston finally? And I think the main key to that is the point that you made, Mark. Can Giancarlo Stanton finally kind of unlock what he had in Miami and bring that to the Yankees? Can he finally get into a rhythm? Can he finally perform the way he's performed in the past and be that player? Stay healthy, do all the rest. I mean, if he can do that this year, I think that he's a player that can make a difference offensively for them and can help them get over that hump. Uh, James, I know you mentioned that you were saying the Yankees need to get past Houston, which kind of, I think, brings us to a good question is, do you think that these players will play differently because they know that they're probably going to get face repercussions from the stealing scandal? They might be going up the bat knowing the ball is going to come at them or, you know, getting a high and inside fastball. Will that affect the play? And do you think that they will be able to replicate their seasons that they had the past couple of years? I want to say this. I'm curious if Jose Altuve hits a walk-off. Are they ripping his shirt off at the end of the right. game or not? That's what I have my eye on. Right, right. <laughs> so, so the Yankees, I mean, honestly, I think what it comes down to for the Yankees is can they get through August? I mean, they have a really tough schedule in August. It's like the only, I think it was the only teams, or the only team below 500 last year is uh, three games against the Orioles. So if they can get through August and they can – keep it together, I think it's kind of a walk to the playoff for them. And then it's kind of what I said. It's like they get through August, they'll most likely make the playoffs. And then what it comes down to is, you know, can the bullpen hold up? I mean, it has in the past. Like they haven't had any problems with starting pitching despite that being a weakness on the team. But like I said, what it comes down to is, is that kind of, I guess it's like the small ball mentality. Like can they get guys on base? Can they score runs? Because that's really where they struggled in the past. So that's, that's kind of what I see for kind of the Yankees in the AL. And I can't wait because Thursday night, the Yankees playing the defending World Series champions in the Washington Nationals. It'll be in D.C. Dr. Anthony Fauci's throwing out the first pitch. Garrett Cole against Mizzou's very own Max Scherzer. So you've got two ace pitchers going at it. And then in the nightcap, you've got the Giants playing the Dodgers. So Johnny Cueto going up against Clayton Kershaw. You talk about two stellar pitching matchups, and that's just opening night on Thursday. I cannot wait. When you Again, you talk about the star power. I think baseball needs to tap into that more and more and more and more to really appeal to that younger generation. I also wanted to ask you guys about the Friday games where, Sam, I know both of our teams, the Cubs, are going to play the Brewers and then you've got your Cardinals taking on the Pirates as well. Obviously, we're going to be watching both of those games as well, but we've got a full slate of games on Friday headed on into the weekend, and this is just going to be awesome to have on. Yes, fans aren't going to be there, but like, without fans there, I think naps are going to be even more enjoyable now this season. Like, I am so excited that we have sports on TV that are actually meaningful, that actually count. And James, I'm going to go back to what you said before. With that shortened season, and we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast too, each game matters, so the strategy is going to be different. With a shortened season, 
you guys, if you can't tell it by the tone of my voice, I'm just so excited for, to get this thing rolling because we're back. We're back after we haven't had meaningful sports in this country since mid-March. That energy is contagious. Right. right. We're back. Finally. Thursday, we're back. So, uh, guys, I feel like we've talked a lot about the Yankees so far today, and we're a premier Midwest podcast. So, Sammy, I got a question for you. Do you think that the aging veterans on the Cardinals, so Carpenter, Wainwright, some of these other guys who have brought the Cardinals so many great years of baseball, do they have one more year left in them? Do you think the Cardinals can be a contender this year in a short season with these aging players paired with some of these young guys that really pulled together and played some great ball in the second half of the season last year? Well, James, you know, I think that's a great question. And I was thinking about this before the podcast and I'm like, this is such a Cardinals year, like such a Cardinals roster. It's like they are anything <laughs> off off season. Like the highlight of the off season was bringing in Kwang Hoon Kim, or that they call him KK, which arguably is a, he's an intriguing prospect, 31 years old, coming over from Korea. But it's like, is that all we're going to be doing? Compared to last year, we, we did sign Paul Goldschmidt last year and they made a few other additional signings, but we were all in. We wanted Arenado. You know, the fan base wanted something. You know, we made it all the way to the, uh, NLCS last year, which was really surprising, honestly, but it still kind of left a sour taste in our mouth because we had no chance against the Nationals. It reminds me of when we were in college and the season after the Cardinals lost Albert Pujols to the Angels. I remember a lot of the Cardinals fans initially were really upset and they tried to offer Pujols a hometown discount and everything. But like the best move was no move. Because then the next season, they still made the NLCS. I look at the odds. You guys know I love looking at the odds markets because it's an indicator of what is likely to happen. And there's a reason why the Cardinals and the Reds are the favorites to win the NL Central this season. And the Cubs aren't far behind. But I think of a guy like Yadier Molina. And he's been a veteran presence as the team's catcher year in and year out. And I swear I read the same article before the start of every season about how he helps some of the young prospects in spring training and how there's younger catchers in the Cardinals organization that are ready to supplant him. Yet then when push comes to shove and the season rolls around, he's the guy who's the starter. He's the guy who's the gold glover. He's the guy getting clutch hits. And I'll be honest, as a Cubs fan, he's the guy who year in and year out in a clutch situation He's the guy who scares the crap out of me the most. I was at that game when he, when he uh, hit the, game, the walk-off sack fly against the Braves last year. And you just knew walking up to that plate that he was going to do that. You know, he was going to find a way to drive in the run to win the game. And it's like, so I was kind of going all about talking about that. It's like, you just know that the Cardinals, you know, their, their whole mantra is we will improve from within. And you look at this like roster and it's littered with, like you said, James, veterans and young guys who are unproven. And the veterans have to prove themselves just as much as the younger guys. And I think that actually makes everyone else better. You just know that the Cardinals are probably somehow going to figure out a way to contend, even though on paper they probably don't have as loaded of a roster as some other teams in the NL. But no, totally. totally. By the time this season's over, that they'll be in the running for that NL Central. The thing I have my eye on is, is can Jack Flaherty become that Cy Young starter? And then who are the guys that emerge behind him in that starting rotation? The Cardinals had a really slow start last year. 
Now, because of the shortened season, teams don't have that luxury anymore. Like it's fast start or you're done and it's over. So I feel like a lot of these teams too, you know, with these unproven guys, it's not like they have all these games to develop. It's you got to come out and you got to win now. So the beginning of the season, sure, these young guys might be kind of figuring out what their role is on the team. But I think, especially for a team like the Cardinals, it comes down to your veterans. And can your veterans pull it out and prop up this team for the first few games of the season, you know, until those younger guys can start to develop into their roles and what their responsibilities are and how they need to deliver for their team every single day. I think a lot of that falls on Matt Carpenter's shoulders. He struggled last year and there were talks about bringing in, like I said, Nolan Arenado and Tommy Edmonds stepped up and played really well at third base last year. But Matt Carpenter still is a huge leader in that locker room. And if he plays well, that's contagious. And I feel like he's one of those veteran guys that we need leadership from to kind of bridge the gap until these younger guys can step up and really turn out to be the players that they are, that they can be. Any player who elects not to wear batting gloves is just a little different. Just a little different. <laughs> Keeping it in the NL Central, can the Cubs stay on the top and be the team in Chicago, or is this year going to be the White Sox year in Chicago? There's a lot of hype just because of the offseason that the Sox had, but you're talking about a White Sox franchise. Haven't made the playoffs since 2008. So more than a decade. And they have this shortstop named Tim Anderson. Now, Tim Anderson led the AL in batting last season. And people are making this big deal that Tim Anderson's the premier shortstop in Chicago. He's better than Javi Baez and all this crap. Let me lay down some facts for you guys. Yeah, he hit 335 last year and led the AL. He had a 357 on base percentage. That's Starlin Castro-esque. And I understand that guys make their living based on hitting. But this season with Tim Anderson, what I want to see from him is, okay, if you can hit above 300 from the plate, can you have an on-base percentage that's at least 50 points, if not 100 points, higher than your batting average? You can't swing at every single thing. Yes, there's a lot of hype with the White Sox, and they've got a lot of talent. I still think they might be a year or two away. And what I can say with the Cubs is when you have an infield with Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant, that's a really good start. If those three guys can get hot, the Cubs were one of those teams last year, and the Philadelphia Phillies are the same way, where they have so much talent on their roster. It's like, how is this team bad? So one of the big questions I have with the Cubs this season is David Ross, first-time manager, former player on the 2016 World Series team. He replaces Joe Madden. Joe Madden, best Cubs manager of all time, which says a lot about the Cubs franchise. But could his rah-rah act have gotten a little bit stale after five seasons? The question I have with David Ross as a first-time manager as well, can he be the father figure for this team and not the homeboy? And that's a huge question mark I have about David Ross and his management of the Cubs this season. Which guy is David Ross going to be as the manager? And I think that if you answer that question, that will determine the Cubs' success this season. I'm very skeptical about that, Mark. Me too. I, Me too. How do you go from winning a World Series with all these teammates and then you're the boss of them two years later? You know, it's just – that's so weird. You know, I just, I just don't see him being able to, especially as a first-time manager, to put that aside, put that experience aside with those guys – and really lead them to become like the day in, day out, like boss. 
Um, I, I understand he has ties to the organization too, Sam, but I wanted to see the Cubs go after Joe Girardi, who's now the Philadelphia Phillies manager, the former New York Yankees manager, where he had success in New York too. So he's done it in a big market before. With David Ross, again, I know he has that rapport with Cubs front office, Theo Epstein, and a lot of the players. But again, what is that relationship like when you need to be the superior to the players and just making sure you have that proper relationship with players? What kind of role is he going to serve? And if he's just going to be these guys' buddies, I don't know if he's going to cut it. And I, I don't we're not going to be able to answer that question until we see at least, I would say, probably 30 games into this season. You know, there's something about Ross becoming the manager that just, in a way, for all of our Mizzou fans that are listeners, that just reminds me a bit of Barry Odom taking over for Gary Pinkle. It's like the protege of like the, the best coach ever for that organization who has connections to the program, who's tight with the players, but like just can't get it done. And like I said, it's a loose comparison, but it's just like when you look at it from a storyline perspective, it lines up a lot more accurately than, than from like a, a numbers perspective. But it's what we have to watch. Like, will he be able to kind of shift that role? Like Mark, like you said, be, be that father figure versus the friend. And I mean, really, what ultimately what it comes down to is, do they get wins? I think it comes down to their pitching. I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, they have such a strong starting rotation. But if one of those couple guys go down, then their bullpen is not very strong and really kind of costs them down the stretch. So, I mean, like I said, Lester, Darvish, Hendricks, and Quintana, like very strong starting rotation. But if one of those guys go down, then who's going to step up? And, you know, we saw what happened to Kinroll last year. Can't trust him. Sam, you were there at that last series at Wrigley when the Cardinals swept the Cubs and propelled themselves into the postseason and knocked the Cubs out of the postseason. Yep. And it was exactly when you get to the bullpen and you need to be able to either hold a lead or preserve a tie game, and the Cubs couldn't do it last season. That's what happened. Like, that's what happened. Like, like people will want to point out, oh, well, if you look at the numbers in a big picture, their bullpen wasn't bad. When push came to shove last season in the NL Central, that's what happened. I don't care what anyone says. Absolutely. It's pretty sad when, you know, you get excited that Kim, Craig Krimble is coming in. And, I mean, Mark, that was one of the best sporting experiences I've been to. Like, that was easily the best game of the season last year. Just to see. You guys uh, are killing me right now. You guys are hard. To win the game, baby. That was like like a six-hour-long game. So, yeah, Craig Kimbrell, T the Cardinals teeing up on Craig Kimbrell. You've got James comparison of David Ross replacing Joe Madden and comparing that to Barry Odom taking over for Gary Pinkle. This is why we're stuck in misery. Right. <laughs> uh, we all can relate to something. Look, Chicago is always going to be a Cubs town. Until the White Sox can finally do it, James, again, a team that hasn't made the postseason since 2008. It's been 12 years. They're due for a good season. I feel like the Sox are always one or two years away. They've been saying that for the past 10 years. <laughs> it's the same narrative with them every single season, but it's so funny because, like, people used to get so mad at the Tribune who used to own the Cubs growing up, and they'd be like, oh, you know, there's so much more coverage for the Cubs, and it's like, look, like, the Cubs aren't even all that great, but – at least they've had some more success than the White Sox. It's like, 
other than when the White Sox won the World Series in the mid-2000s, then again, that postseason run in 08, you're talking about a decade of irrelevance. In all honesty, that's just the brutal truth. All right, we've gone through a lot of the storylines, and we also covered a listener question already. So my brother, friend of the show, Scott Bergen, asked who was our favorites in the NL Central. I would say this, to answer that question, we know it's not going to be the Pirates, but I would imagine it'll be between Cubs, Cardinals, and Reds. Maybe the Brewers sneak in there, but I think it'll be one of those three. Another question comes from friend of the show, Eric Hoybush, and he asks, Orlando City is thriving in Major League Soccer, and Orlando City is not a powerhouse. How does this translate to the MLB? So he wants to know, which team benefits from a shorter season in 2020? Well, if you look at last year, after 60 games, the Milwaukee Brewers would have been the winners of the NL Central. So I think I, I'd probably go with them. I mean, I think they just ran out of gas last year. So is that the team you're most scared of in the Central? Oh, shoot, man. I don't know. I, there's not one team that I'm like, oh, I'm afraid of, really. But I feel like it's going to be a very close, close division this year. I agree. I think that, you know, when you have, you know, when you have uh, Yelich, probably the best hitter of the game, then you definitely have to be aware of the Brewers. I like the Tampa Bay Rays again. And manager Kevin Cash a year ago, you're talking about a guy who just does strange things to help this team win. And I think with a shortened season, you're going to continue to see things like that. So you're talking about not really having a fifth starter and just starting a guy in the bullpen for a game is what they call a stopgap starter strange in-game substitutions, bullpen combinations. So I kind of like to see a team like the Rays, and they've done this traditionally going back to when Joe Madden was their manager well before he was the manager of the Chicago Cubs. When you have a small-budget team, a team like the Oakland A's has done this as well. You have to kind of get creative with your strategy. And I think with the shortened season, ultimately the teams that could benefit are teams that have dominant starters at the top of their rotation, but might not have that fourth or fifth guy with a shortened season, you might be able to get away with having say a three or four man rotation because after a 60 game regular season, you're then get, going to get into the postseason. So teams like, again, with dominant starters at their one and two spots from a starting rotation staff, but then also some of these lower budget teams, what are the creative things that they're going to do to try to win games? Yeah, I was going to say kind of very similar to what you were saying, Mark, with the Rays potentially contending maybe for a wild card berth or something. I would say it would be the Diamondbacks in the AL West. You know, they're a small to mid-market team. They have a lot to lose because a lot of their contracts are kind of negotiated for, for the short term. They're very much in win-now mode. Yeah, I think yeah. that's actually a pretty good point. They added Darling Marte, who's, I think, a pretty good acquisition to them. And they have a lot of prospects, probably one of the deeper prospect field in the league. So And Madison Bumgarner. So they're one of those teams where it's like, oh, man, they've got this guy now. Right. Yeah, that's, a, that's always those West teams, I feel like. Okay, so thank you to Eric for that question there. James, I know you're a big Yankees fan, too, in the AL. Is there a team in the NL that you really like to make a deep postseason run this season? We talked about this earlier in the show, but I would love to see a team that people didn't necessarily expect to get there, get there. 
would love to see something like, you know, something like the Cardinals making a resurgence, you know, one more go around getting it for these guys, you know, just something where, where it really means something to the city. I mean, that's a storyline that I want. Let's run down some of the favorites then too. And I'll give you guys some stats in the AL central, the Minnesota twins. This is a team last season that set a major league record. 307 home runs as a team last season. They had five players hit at least 31 home runs. And they added former MVP Josh Donaldson. He hit 37 home runs for the Braves last season. Speaking of the Braves, this is a team that hasn't won a postseason series since 2001. So can the Braves win a playoff series? That's something that you have a huge question there in Atlanta. I mentioned the Rays earlier. The Rays have one of the best starting staffs in the league. Charlie Morton, former Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, Ryan Yarbrough, Brendan McKay. So you've got a potent starting staff. Can they put it together? Can they contend with the Yankees in the AL East? That's a huge question there. Speaking of other New York teams, Jacob deGrom going for a third consecutive Cy Young award. That's been done before. But you're talking about he would be joined in the likes of Randy Johnson and Greg Maddox, two pitchers who won four consecutive Cy Young awards. So if DeGrom can win three in a row, that'd be pretty incredible there. I mean, every single team you could make an argument for, but those are just some of the things that I found in my research in preparation for today's show. And the other big storyline, we mentioned star power with this podcast. On the Cleveland Indians, Francisco Lindor's future with the team is a huge question mark. So he's technically under contract with the team for two more seasons, but are they going to try to trade him while his value is the highest? Are they going to try to avoid arbitration again next season and trying to negotiate a one-year deal? Are the Indians in any kind of contention to where they would want to keep him for one more season? And then even if they lose him for nothing – You're talking about one of the premier players in the game in Cleveland, and they've already even said that they're not going to be able to pay this guy and give him a long-term deal along the likes of $300-plus So this is a guy who is as talented as any player in the league. That's something I have my eye on in Cleveland. Can they put it together in the AL Central for one more season, especially considering that, again, Lindor's under contract for two more seasons, but to try to avoid arbitration with that guy, he's a premier player in this game. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. The Cleveland Indians, I believe, are now the team with the longest World Series drought. That is correct. Which is really a shame that they aren't able to afford a star player. Because you like to see those underdogs, those guys that haven't won it in so long, get that championship, especially in some of these Midwest cities where they live and die by their sports, you know, but they can't ever get it, dude. They're just eternally. Oh, they had the Cavs. They're stuck in misery, especially in Cleveland. They had the Cavs who won championships recently. Yeah. But then, yeah. I mean, LeBron LeBron decided to go get them one guys headed into Thursday, headed into this weekend. Final thoughts. I mean, I think it's really simple. Like having those sports back on TV, having like being able to flip on, the news and have there actually be something to talk about in regards to sports that isn't what people are tweeting about. And that goes a little bit deeper than acquisitions, you know, 
Sam, I thought it was really interesting that you kind of made the comments earlier about, I feel like, what, what did you say? It was something along the lines of like, I'm just not excited about this year, which, you know, I think a lot of people feel that way. But in all this time with the lack of sports, all people did was talk about acquisitions, talk about acquisitions, talk about acquisitions, because that's all there was to talk about. And I feel like they hit that nail way too many times with the hammer. And I'm just glad that there's finally sports back. There's finally, there's finally a, a storyline that we can watch unfold on TV and really, what, what am I? What am I most excited for? Like, I'm most excited for that uh, for this new format of the MLB and to really I'm see excited. how it unfolds. I'm most excited to see Yadier Molina lead the boys with the birds on the bat, walking out of that dugout onto the stadium in you know the beautiful city of St. Louis. That's what I'm excited to see. And uh, you know, I, we get to see that on Friday and. That's what it's all about, boys. That's what it's all about. I love how much of a homer you are. I'll say this. When I knew you guys, when we were all buddies at the University of Missouri, it wasn't so much like going out to some bar or party or whatever. A lot of the times it was like the morning after when we're recounting the stories from the night before. So what I'm looking forward to is turning on baseball tonight and seeing the Web Gems segment. It's having my bowl of cereal in the morning, turning on the TV and seeing the top 10 plays of some unbelievable play that Javi Baez has made. That is just so incredible. You can't believe that you've seen it. That's what I'm looking forward to. And it's exactly like you said, James, we'll finally have some on field play to discuss instead of all these different acquisitions and plans and how the leagues respond to coronavirus, we're actually going yeah. to have some action again. A storyline, a narrative. Exactly. Of, you know, who's, exactly. who's going to surprise us this year? Who's going to roll over? Who's going to win it all? You know, and it starts now. It starts on Thursday. It starts on Friday. Hope you guys are ready. Fellas, this was fun. And please rate, review, and subscribe to Stuck in Misery wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and also now Google Podcast as well. So again, if you leave us a review there and it's funny and creative, we might very well go ahead and read it here on the air. Thank you to the listeners as well. Going to go ahead and sign off here. For Sam Renchen and James West, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Take care. So long, everyone, and enjoy the return of baseball this weekend.